Bruce Lawn. The problem, the problem with end times doctrine, end times theology, and how some of this stuff got us into some of the mess that we're in with the political climate. I'm going to be talking about all this kind of stuff. I'm glad you guys are here. If you find this video valuable, at some point, give it a like. That would help us out a lot for the algorithms. But without any further ado, I'm going to be reacting to Mike Winger's six views of end times doctrine video. The reason why I'm reacting to this is because I think this is an important tie-in that many of us has missed in light of my conversation with Marcus Rogers, in light of the hyper-nationalism, in light of the pandemic, in light of people thinking that every other thing is the daggone mark of the beast, the microchip, this, that, and the other. I think I can narrow this down to a specific error that we've all had or at least almost every single Christian camp has had with regards to end times doctrine, all right? And I'm excited to get into it. So, Mike Winger is a super dope Bible teacher. I think he's out of Southern California. Uh, I haven't been able to get him on the channel yet, but maybe after he sees his video, he'll get on the channel. This is not going to be a critique of his video, by the way. Um, he's just done all of this amazing study and summarized these six views, which I'm not going to be covering all six, but he summarized it and he made it very focused and very linear. And I wanted to highlight him. I want you guys to go watch the full video. I always encourage you guys when it comes to this kind of stuff, go watch people that are way smarter than me. Go watch other creators. Mike Winger's pinned up in my channel recommendations. Bible Project has another good thing about a post-apocalyptic literature. And I'm going to wait until the very end to reveal which way I lean while answering all those problems. So if you want to know what I believe or, or which way I lean, you got to wait till the end of the video. So they are... The post-millennial view or the preterist view. Then there's the hyper-preterist view, which is a heretical view. There's the uh, dispensational premillennial futurist view, which is the most common view. And then there's progressive dispensational premillennialism, amillennialism, and historic historicist. So hyper-preterist is kind of out because it's it's just not Christian. And he talks about that. Again, go watch his entire video. Um and historicist is also something that no one really follows today. And guys like Martin Luther have held historically. And it more or less hasn't been very effective. And so, pre-millennials view. I'm going to let Mike Winger break it down. And then I'm going to uh, add my two sets. And again, I'm going to bring this back to why this is a problem for so many Christians. Why this gets us so tripped up. All right, so here's the first one. Uh, dispensational premillennials. This is kind of what most folks are familiar with. When I got saved, uh, it was real real big into, you know, the Left Behind series. Everything was about the rapture. 9-11 had just happened. A lot of us were afraid. We were looking for the signs. We were trying to examine things. So th this is the view that a majority of people, uh, I think, hold today. And this was definitely the move in pop culture when I got saved in Christian culture. When I got pre-millennial views. This is, again, the view I hold with a loose hand. The synopsis of the pre-millennial view is this. The premillennialists, they view that Jesus is going to, in the future, return to the earth. He's going to, at that point, have a thousand year long kingdom worldwide reign on earth. The, the first resurrection of the saints, of the saved, happens at the beginning of that kingdom. Then a thousand years of great reign. At the end of it, Satan is released, right? Satan deceives those, those who, are, who can deceive. 
which we'll get into some more details about why that can be confusing for people. And then the, the, the final judgment comes and the second resurrection, the final resurrections of the unsaved and for their punishment. For the thousand year reign, they believe that there is a tribulation coming. This is probably, most of them would say this is a literal seven year period. There's a seven year future period of crazy tribulation that happens right before that millennium begins. So a lot of the premillennialists, they start debating, are we heading into the tribulation? We look at the world around us and we say, hey, is that going to be a one world government that we read about in Revelation? Mm. Is that going to be the beast? Is that person going to be trying to institute the mark of the beast? Is this thing going to be the mark of the beast? And this is because they think that the next major thing on the prophetic timescale is the seven years of tribulation. You guys catch that? Does some of that sound familiar? Being inquisitive. Is this the mark of the beast? Is that the mark of the beast? Is he the Antichrist? Is he the Antichrist? Right? This is the majority view. Here is the issue with this view, and he's going to break this down. One of the most annoying things about the premillennial view <laughs> is, I'm completely honest with you guys, is the tendency to write books and make movies that fictionalize potential future fulfillments of all of these prophecies about the tribulation. Sound familiar? Left Behind, Jonathan Kahn, sound familiar? Right, like let's theorize how well not not just what the tribulation is, but like how we'll get there. Mm. It's the obsession with how we'll get there that has, in all honesty, has embarrassed people for years. Mm. I remember when the mark of the beast was a barcode because they were just looked at current events and they found let's look at the most likely current thing that could turn into the mark of the beast, and now let's act like it is. And this makes you look crazy, mm. Christians. This makes you look crazy. You're not even basing it on the on the sound understanding of scripture. It's just taking what's clear in scripture and then fictionalizing how it might happen in the future, assuming that that the near future is the fulfillment of all of these things. And I think that this has caused a lot of embarrassment for the body of Christ. First part, I, I want you guys to grasp this. The Left Behind series, the Jonathan Kahn books, all the suspicion about when this has happened, who's the who's the Antichrist, what's the mark of the beast, all this stuff. The issue with this view is that with all of these views, they're presented as fact. They're presented as absolute. Seldom do guys like Mike Winger or people have the patience to sit down and listen through an hour-long podcast, which is really like of multiple books that he's read and stuff he's learned in seminary, and they sit down and they actually process this. But the issue, the first issue with this is that, one, it's presented as fact. It's presented as absolute truth. It's presented as this is what it is, and this is going to happen. And this is, guys, this is often been the case, whether it's the Left Behind series, the Jonathan Kahn books, uh, Chuck Smith making predictions. Historically, they, they, there's this anticipation for the temple to be rebuilt. And because Israel was, you know, 1940-something, uh, Israel became a nation again. This stuff, this stuff, you start inquiring into history and you start presenting it as an absolute truth, never giving people an alternative view or that they may be nuanced. And even if you listen to Pastor Mike Winger, who's way smarter than me, he's actually talking about the very view that he holds. And he's saying all along, hey, 
I hold this view very loosely. When was the last time you heard somebody make a projection about, well, this thing, this policy is going to set off the end days and da, 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 but I hold that very loose. Like, you know, it's usually presented as absolute truth. And what it is, is it's slid in through fundamentalist mentality and fun- what do fundamentalists do? They're fundamental about everything. It's black and white. It's a one or the other, right? And some of that is slipped in and the way we start presenting End Times Views, which again, listen to Mike Winger, way smarter than me. He covers all this stuff. Really go watch the full video. Go listen to the Bible Project. We present it as, well, this is just the way. This is going to be this way, and then the rapture is going to happen, and there's going to be blah, 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 seven years of tribulation, blah, blah, and it's just is what it is. And it's like, fam, whoa, 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 historically, there's like uh, four other positions. <laughs> Martin Luther held a totally different position. You know, the, the great reformer, Martin Luther. I'm not talking about Martin Luther King Jr. Some of you guys are going to ask me that. Martin Luther, the great reformer, held a totally different position, right? Christians throughout history have held various positions. And so when you start planting your flag on this literal tri- tribulation in this way and the rapture is coming at this time and, th- and these events and Jonathan Khan and Left Behind and this prophecy and that, whoo, you, you're getting into some real murky stuff. You're getting into some very dogmatic, absolute stuff. You got to stop presenting this fa- stuff so matter-of-factly and then tying in current events uh, to stuff that's been debated for thousands of years Thousands of years scholars have been debating the end times and now somebody looks at some executive order passed by Biden and thinks that it's going to set off. Like, we got to stop that. We got to stop that. Check, check. I'm going to play this for a little bit and I'm going to go on to the next one. Not all premillennialists do this. Not all dispensational premillennialists do this either. But it has created a large amount of embarrassment and I think that it's... um you know, it's one thing when you're studying about like the doctrine of the Trinity and you have these like clear lines of who Jesus is in scripture and you can control, conclude with great confidence about these things. But it's something else when you have uh, statements about a future and you don't know when it begins and you just guess that it's going to happen like mm. within the next few years and you start projecting. I- Jesus is always coming back any day now. Right. And, and, I'm, and I'm saying I, I did a whole thing on Matthew 25. We should live as if Jesus could come back at any time. Right. But when you start acting like it has to happen in your lifetime, it has to happen in the next couple of years, you start setting deadlines within the next three years, right? Think Pat Robertson, right? You get into some really murky false prophecy vibes. Identities like who the, who the beast is and who the false prophet is and how it's all going to happen. And I just think, here's the humility. Know that the scripture is true and that your projection of it onto current events is just your projection on the current events. I am among... Know that this... My, my winger with the bomb drop. Know that the scripture is true, but your projection on it into current events is just that. It's your projection. We, When it comes to these end time stuff, guys, we got to stop presenting it like absolute fact and fundamental doctrine. This is not the equivalent of the, the deity of Jesus. This is not saved by grace through faith alone. These are not close-handed doctrines. Stop doing this. It's not helpful. It's harmful. And I think that's how we got into some of this mess with some of these Trump prophets and this, these shenanigans we saw unfold. So I'm so happy Mike Winger said that. I understand getting excited about the possibility of like a temple institute rebuilding the temple, even though that's not going to be a Christ honoring temple. Mm. You're excited because you're just like, it, it shows God's true. Mm-hmm. I get that. Not because you're excited about what's coming with the tribulation. I don't think anybody's excited about that. Um, 
But you guys hear this, right? Persecution's coming, persecution's coming. Just know this executive order, persecution's coming, tribulation's coming, persecution's coming, tribulation, right? Like, we got to cut it out. We got to stop trying to project our stuff onto scripture and, and, and just say, hey, this is one theory. There's not one way of viewing this thing, right? So he gets into the next one, which is progressive dispensation. I'm going to let him define that. Part of the distaste people have had in this fictionalizing is what's sort of led to what's called progressive dispensationalism. Others are probably thinking when I say progressive, they're probably thinking political progressives. Um, that's what the world's often talking about. I'm usually talking about theology and they do overlap somewhat, but not entirely. They're not the same thing. This is totally different. Okay. The word progressive here doesn't have any of those connotations. It's not about liberal things or anything like that. Um, but here's, let me explain what the progressive dispensationalist is all about. And if you followed the stuff I've done on prophecy, this shouldn't be that hard to grab. Let me break it down. It uses something called the already not yet. Okay. A lot of people use this, so they're not the only ones who will use this. Amillennialists will use this too, but let me explain what already not yet means when it comes to the Bible. Um, in general, in scripture, there are principles or teachings about things that are happening already, but yet there is a greater future reality for those things. We can take this concept of already not yet, which is not a weird concept, and it's not even controversial. Like scholars in general are going to say, yeah, there is, there is such a thing as already not yet. Now, what I'm going to suggest is that there's a prophetic application, and I'm not the only one saying this, thank God. <laughs> there's a prophetic application of already not yet. And this is when we see what some call double fulfillment of prophecy, where prophecy is fulfilled twice. I don't think it's double fulfillment. I think that's probably the wrong term. More accurately, it is partial and then total fulfillment, where a prophecy speaks and then there's like a sort of a shadow, uh, like a sampler. Like if you go to the, to the, um, if you went to the mall, if anybody can go to the mall and they're offering you food samples, which maybe no one will ever do that again. And you eat a little food sample and you're like, I didn't get the meal, but I got a sample of it. It's the same kind of thing, but it's not the complete thing. Mm. Well, let me give you an example. In Isaiah 714, we have a prophecy of the virgin birth. So this is the progressive dispensational premillennial futurist. I know that's a mouthful. You really should go watch the full version of this, the already not yet in terms of prophecy. This is the amillennial idealist position. So check this out. This is view number five. This is a five of our six. The amillennialist is a totally different category. They're not post-mill. They're not pre-mill. They're probably the most diverse. They're probably the hardest to identify because within people who call themselves amillennial in my studies, it looks like they have the most divergent views. Like there isn't as much cohesion. Preterists, post-mills tend to be pretty similar. Pre-mills tend to be pretty similar, not amills in my, in my perspective. Maybe I'm wrong there. That's just what I've learned so far. Um, they think the millennium's happening now. Not all of them. Some of them seem to- The thousand year reign of Christ they think is happening now. This is amill. amill. The amill are like, no, it's already happening. Like it's happening now. This is just what it looks like. It just looks like the gospel going out to the nations mm. and the major reigning of Jesus in the millennium is heavenly. He's in heaven reigning and the millennium has more of an impact on heaven in a sense than it does on earth. And it is a felt impact on earth. It's just the gospel goes out. It's a, it's sort of purely a spiritual reigning because the gospel is going out to the nations. And before the time of Christ, all those nations were pagans and unbelievers. And now so many of them know the Lord, uh, the same pushbacks against Satan being bound that are labeled against the post-mill can be labeled against the on-mill um, and they'll defend it in similar ways. They believe that the millennium is measured in gospel outreach. Mm. 
That's it. There's no, it's not about governments and kingdoms and reigning and ruling or even health and prosperity. It's measured in gospel outreach. They're looking at like, this is just the way things are as they are now. And then there probably will be sort of a time of tribulation. But what happens at the end of the tribulation is the second coming, not the millennium. We're in the millennium now, then tribulation, like when Satan's released and he gathers together the armies of the world, like that's kind of like a bad time that's coming. So, so that's the AMO position. Again, watch this full video. Now, this is the post-mill position, okay? Post-millennialism. Even within each of these views, there's there's differences. Po po post-millennial will be someone like R.C. Sproul. It leans toward, towards a post-millennial position, the, the scholar R.C. Sproul. There's some people who hold it this way, some people hold it that way, some people have nuances. So I'm trying to give you a general representation of them all. But in general post-millennials, they think that Jesus is returning at the end of the millennium. So the thousand years, which is not a literal thousand years, but this this long season of, of Christ reigning, that that is something that happens, uh, him reigning from heaven. And then at the end of that thousand years, he comes to earth bodily. Pre-millennials are expecting a literal thousand years. Jesus comes back. He's the king for a thousand years on earth. He establishes a new heaven, a new earth. Post-millennials don't see it as a literal thousand years, they see Jesus ruling from heaven and then he comes back. Stuff that we're waiting on next in, you know, big earthly changes, those things are all going to happen at the second coming of Christ. That's when our, you know, what some would call a rapture type thing happens, right? Where we, where we're caught up and we're, we're transformed, where the dead, those who are alive are transformed, the, those who have died in Christ are raised. Um, all resurrections and judgments and good and bad things all happen right then. And then the eternal kingdom begins. So the post-millennial person thinks that the tribulation period, um, what a lot of us are familiar with, like the um, seven-year tribulation stuff, you know, where that's kind of like what the, the pre-millennialists often are thinking about and talking about as a future event. Well, to the post-millennialists, that's a past event. The mm. tribulation happened a long time ago. Mm. Like this stuff was like before 70 AD. It, it all happened. In fact, it, in, the most intense part of this stuff was the last three years between 67 and 70 AD. Hmm. Because there's like, and you've got to know this, there's like an important historical event that happened in 70 AD. If, you're not if you guys don't know what this is, you should know this. This is, this is why we believe that the scriptures are, are older than many people believe. It's because of this historical events, meaning that we believe the scriptures were written, the New Testament was written uh, closer to the life of Jesus, not further, right? Because some secular scholars, it's because of this historical event, this historical event is very important. It happened in 70 AD. If it had happened before the scriptures were written, they would have all written about it. In this historical event, Mike Wing is going to tell you. It's the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Mm. Jesus himself talked about this when he was talking about future prophecy. He talks about the destruction of the temple. And they're like, guys, we, what the rest of the people don't realize is that all that tribulation stuff, it was all about the stuff that was going to happen in Jerusalem. Mm. So it already happened. Nero was the 666. This stuff already happened. Revelation happened. That's the post-millennial position the the, the post thousand years right the millennium since the tribulations already happened the millennium is already going on right now or to some uh post-millennialists it's going to happen soon like sometime eventually we, maybe we're in the middle of it or maybe we're like working our way towards it but the nature of the millennium is the is us christianizing the world mm. not only with the gospel but a sort of political you know christian kingdom that dominates the planet 
So they're looking, you know, so whereas, say, the premillennial, they're often looking for a doom and gloom sort of one world government that's like really bad news for mm, everybody. More of a pessimistic the postmillennialist is, is actually thinking that we're kind of going to have a Christian version of that. And um, this can lead to abuses, but, but most postmillennials probably are not, not heading down that path. But that's their view of the millennium. It's happening now, and we Christianize the world. So this does change the way that they view the world. They're very optimistic. They do think Satan is currently bound. The post-millennial view, the binding of Satan happened beginning with Jesus's earthly ministry, where he talks about the strong man being bound. And then Satan has already been bound. As you read about this in Revelation, that happened a long time ago, guys. Mm. Um, so you're like, well, how's, how's he bound? The premillennialist is going to be like, well, that's kind of a, he's got a long leash, you know, but the post-millennialist can make a case for the binding of Satan. I was sharing this again, point number one. There's a diversity range of views on this historically. Okay, and, and those of you guys in, are in this right now, you're looking for an absolute, it has to be my way. No, it doesn't. We could all be wrong on this, regardless of what position you have. Okay, so one, there's a variety of views on this. R.C. Sproul, Jeff Durbin, they hold a post-millennial view. Mike Winger, Calvary Chapel, they hold a pre-millennial view. There's all millennials, right? Uh, there's so, so, so one, we have to acknowledge that there's a diversity of views. Two, we have to stop presenting our view as the only view and the absolute view without acknowledging that, hello, there's a diversity view. This, this is an absolute. This isn't Jesus died and literally rose. These are not close-handed doctrines. There's a variety of views. Um, you need to educate your, yourself on this stuff so that you don't get duped and sucked into some weird prophecy or this is the mark of the beast or that's the mark of the beast. Um, I'm going to reveal to you guys my leanings, which they don't really matter because I don't spend a ton of time thinking about this. I'm more focused on living out Matthew 25 instead of trying to project when Jesus is going to come back. And so I'm going to play one more clip from Mike Winger and I'm going to wrap it all up. The other views, you have assumptions going in. And these are some pretty strong assumptions. Their particular understanding of apocalyptic genre to me seems like you need to you, you need to spend some work on building that case to be that uh, that kind of an idealist. Now, another criticism for idealism, just like premillennialism has been used to turn into like um, embarrassing fictional fictionalizing predictions about the future and how the mark of the beast is this and that and all this kind of thing just like post-millennial views have turned into some so right he's saying hey listen pre-millennial views have been embarrassing to the church in a lot of ways a lot of these end time jonathan khan left behind it's gonna happen this within within four years i guarantee you within four right it's been embarrassing he's saying post-millennial has been a harmful in this way he's gonna talk about that people trying to establish a theocracy where really it wasn't god leading it was them leading mm. and that's a criticism of post-mill views so also idealism has a criticism and you're like what could the it's criticism the be? what harm could they cause well, the problem is that their their interpretation of Revelation is so flexible mm. that liberal theology, feminist theology, various views will will take their same rules of interpretation and they will bend Revelation around whatever their favorite wacky doctrine is. Mm. So a liberal theology will say, well, Revelation is really about throwing off the yoke of capitalism. That's what it's really about. <laughs> Nonsense, right? Right. And this is probably, I, I imagine this is like what Brian's on, what his view is, because he hates capitalism. Like he hates it with a passion. And I don't really care what your form of government is. Serve Jesus in it. But so hopefully you guys caught that. Okay. The a, a millennial idealist, they have a very loose 
view of this stuff. Revelation is, is kind of, mm, you can kind of view it in so many different ways. Watch Mike Winger's full video. I have it in, my, in the description of this video. Watch the Bible product. Uh, the premillennial are waiting for Jesus to come back. Then there'll be a thousand year reign. Um, a literal thousand Jesus will be king for a thousand years. The postmillennials are saying, hey, the thousand years has happened or it could be happening. It's not a literal reign. There's a diversity amount of views. I want to say that here is here is why I don't take a strong position in this. And and and, and also what he what he caught, if you guys caught that, is he said, listen, you are essentially projecting your view on scripture. I'm big on conforming to God's ways and God's word and not trying to make God into my image. And the issue I see with all these views, and I'll tell you why I hold a very loose view and what my view is in a second, is that we will take our temperament if we're naturally more pessimistic and we think the world's evil and we think everybody's horrible. Guess what? We're going to take a, oh, tribulation, persecution is going to break out. It's going to go down in our lifetime. You saw the sit, right? And so you're taking your biases and then you're kind of contorting your position based on your bias. And he's saying the idealists do the same thing. They'll take their bias or destroy capitalism or feminism or whatever. And then they'll, they'll do that. And by the way, notice what Mike Winger is saying. He's saying all these are brothers and sisters in Christ, even though this may be applied. And he's, he has a position, but he says he holds it very loose. Okay. Now, some of you guys are wondering what my position is. The reason why I don't think about this, I don't speak about this, because I will admit that my position is going to be more along with my personality type and my bias. Hey, I am waiting and believing God for revival. I'm believing that people are going to be redeemed, saved. The revival is going to break out through technology. I feel like the world, unlike what you may think, I feel like if we look at poverty, if we look at crime, if we look at overall, the standard of living, the world is getting better. And so I hold very loosely. Again, don't spend much time thinking about this, but my bias is that I hold a more of a post-millennial position, more of an RC spro. Not that I'm waiting for a theocracy, but I believe things are going to get better and revival is going to break out and Jesus, we're going to take the gospel everywhere and, and all these good things are going to happen and then Jesus is going to come back. But that's my bias. That's my personality, right? Like that's my... That's why I don't hold these things so close, because I could be completely wrong, right? I probably am wrong. Like, there's probably going to be some degree of tribulation. And so I say these things that, hey, we have to be careful to not project our bias and our personality type. If you're a pessimist, don't project your pessimism and say, well, it's pre-tribulation, right? If you're an optimist like me, we shouldn't be projecting our optimism into theology, right? And again, this is the issue with this, is that one, this stuff keeps getting presented like it's absolute. That's a problem. This stuff isn't absolute, okay? And some of you guys are like, I just can't see how, okay, cool, you can't see it. Still your brothers and sisters in Christ. Still your brothers and sisters in Christ, okay? That's one. Two, we have to not present it as one way. We have to present the diversity of views and just say, hey, this is one position. The rapture is one position. Postmillennial is one position, so on and so forth, right? And three, we cannot, we cannot, we cannot project our bias onto scripture. That you're, you're, you are no different than the progressive Christian who's contorting and twisting their idealism of who uh, they think God is and making God in their image instead of saying, 
I'm going to submit to the image of God based on what the scriptures say. And this is why if I look at this stuff, I'll just be like, fam, I don't know. I don't know. I got no idea. I got no idea what what, what premillennialism, post-millennialism, pre-trip, post-trip, literal thousand-year post I, I don't know. I got my bias because I'm an optimistic person. I believe the best about people. I know people are sinful. I know people are de- depraved. But I, I believe that the rival is going to break out. I believe that the word is going to go forth. I believe that the gospel is going to reach the ends of the earth. Jesus did say that, by the way. So... That's my position. Very loose. Don't spend a ton of time thinking about it. Those of you guys that care. And if you guys want to know what my position is, go read R.C. Sproul on it. Go read R.C. Sproul. Again, don't spend a ton of time thinking about this. But what we shouldn't do is we shouldn't divide on this. One, we shouldn't keep projecting current events and, and into our theology. Stop doing that. Stop looking at the pandemic and the vaccine. You're, you're goofy if you do that. Stop doing that. Right. And three, we have to understand that historically there's been a bunch of different views on the end times and educate yourself on this. Again, a, the Bible Project has a very extensive, long podcast on this where they talk about all the different views and when does this happen? When does that happen? Listen to that. Mike Winger, listen to this. I listened to this twice, by the way, and it's still mad, heady and confusing. C.S. Lewis also also holds a postmillennial view. Thank you for uh, sharing that, Dion. So there's a lot of different views. There's a lot of different positions. Um, that's my position for those of you guys that care. And you really shouldn't care. Like, you really shouldn't care. And here's the thing. We really should stop obsessing with this stuff, and we should go and actually live out Matthew 25. That's the application point from here. Go live out Matthew 25. Matthew 25 starts with living and being prepared as if Jesus is coming. Okay, being prepared because we don't know when he's going to come back. It says he could come like a thief in the night. Be prepared, right? And then it goes into the parable of the talents, manage your time, talent, and treasure. And then we manage our time, talent, and treasure so that we can care for the least of these. That's the application point to me when I think about any of this kind of stuff. That's my position. Live that out. Live out Matthew 25. Stop majoring in the minors. Stop projecting current events into your theology. That's goofy. And stop thinking every single political leader in this and that is the Antichrist. That's goofy. And you could disagree on a different position. That's fine. But when you start holding your position as the absolute position on a very, very, very secondary issue. this I mean, goodness gracious, this is such a secondary issue. Um, and you think Jesus is going to come back in three years and this year, I guarantee you, pandemic, this, that, da, da, da. Woo, you're entering into some really dangerous theological positions. I don't recommend you do that. All right? Those are my thoughts. I want to hear what you guys think. If you found this video valuable, give it a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe. Go check out Pastor Mike Winger, one of my favorites. One of my favorites on YouTube. Watch this full video. Watch the Bible Projects full video. Educate yourself on this stuff, all right? I love you guys. Joshua the king came down and bore it all. Yeah. Conversations front of the fireplace. All of my mistakes out of wire race. Wanna operate at a higher pace. Birth pains causing the body to dilate. On a first name basis with the worst pain.